Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. In times where, when we have political turmoil and a lot of stress because of economy and a lot of small and or big crises all around the planet, um, sometimes we need to get back to basics, to what makes us human, to um, to what makes us understand that we are part of something bigger. And um, for some people, that's, um, that's religion. For some people, that's, um, that could be uh, going out uh, and take a hike uh, in nature, you know, to, to ground themselves, to um, get some strength out of nature. And, and that's, that's fine. But uh, one of the things that makes us human and that's very um, special for us is art and the cultivation of beauty. And a, a lot of, um, of the art serves a, a lot of purposes at the same time. Uh, for some people, it's um, kind of um, political protest to create something artistic like Banksy, the um, street artist from, from uh, Great Britain. For some people, it's uh, creating music. And for a lot of people, it's creating poetry because there is beauty in words. There is beauty in language. And um, some people might write um, a novel or uh, an essay, but a lot of people choose to write poetry. And we need to understand that, that poetry is very important, not only for Zen, but for humankind. Because um, in, in poems, we see um, reality reflected in a way that regular words can't. And uh, for for practice, some poems are particularly beautiful in the way that some people uh, use words to represent their practice or to capture a moment in time and some people write poems because they want to express the beauty and simplicity of Buddhism and, and Zen. And poetry is very important for a lot of reasons, like I said, because we are very used to cultivate beauty. And in times of trouble, going back to beauty, going back to reading something simple, 
that makes us wonder, that makes us um, fly in our hearts and in our minds. It's very liberating. And that's uh, what Zen poetry, Zen poems are about. They are, uh, they capture a moment in time about the practice of someone. They, um, uh, they express what people, uh, what, what the, um, the priest or the artist feel about the world, about uh, the Dharma. And um, one of these people was uh, Taigo Ryokan, or Ryokan Taigo. He was born in Japan in 1758. And he is an example for many of us because he lived in a time of uh, maybe political turmoil in Japan. And there were political problems inside his monastery. And he decided to go away and have a, a simple and beautiful but fulfilling life um, as, a, as an hermit. And that's very powerful because um, Ryokan shows us by his practice and by his poems that living a simple life comes you. It makes things easier than to having a castle or having um, an army, uh, or maybe you can have an army, or maybe you are a, a very um, prestigious tactician or politician or military man. But at the end of the day, when you take a simple life, you can have a lot of joy because simplicity is liberation. So Ryokan uh, said goodbye to the life in the monastery and he chose to just have as little things as possible, like his own clothes, um, his bowl and um, his begging bowl, uh, some paper uh, brushes to, to write with. And he spent his life playing with kids, uh, with children, contemplating nature, uh, sitting and, and writing poems that until, until the present day, they are still valid, they are still relevant, and even, even more so in, in these times of turmoil. So I think we need to, uh, whenever we, we feel desperate, we can uh, take any poem by, by Ryokan or any of the Zen, Zen poet, poets and find beauty again that grounds us, that calms us, that shows us that there is a way beyond all this madness or the ugliness in the world. There is a beauty that can only be seen through our practice, through, through a calm mind that comes in, in Zazen, and um, we can also pierce and understand that despite everything that's been going on around, that uh, despite all the political problems or economical problems or any crisis we're having uh, these days, we can be at peace with it all and we can ground ourselves to get the strength to keep on going. 
And I'm not talking to keep on going and go out and fight, but to work for the benefit of world sentient beings. Um, reading poems then uh, is to admire beauty, to recognize that beauty is everywhere, even in something as simple as a frog or a cloud or a rock, or maybe even the things we don't like about life. So Ryokan wrote a lot of poems, and most of his poems were about his practice, and he captured a moment in time. He represented present with words. He painted full masterpieces with just a few words. That's the beauty of, 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 his, um, of his writings. So um, I'm going to read a few of his poems, and I'm going to say why I think they're relevant for practice. The first one we have says, see and realize that this world is not permanent. Neither late nor early flowers will remain. As humans, we tend to fight about a very basic um, concept of life and its impermanence. Nothing lasts, but we fight against that. And the more we fight, the more we um, deny this very basic fact of life, we suffer the most. Uh, we are against people lying, we are against we aging, we are against our favorite uh, series in Netflix coming to an end. Um, and, uh, and and we don't like endings. We're not very good uh, relating to things that, that that we want to keep on going. Or we know that when things end, we have to face new um, uh, new facets of life. So that scares us, and and we don't want to face the feelings that come with change. So this, this poem says that see and realize that this world is not permanent. Neither late nor early flowers will remain. So flowers come once a year in spring. There are flowers in autumn and there are other flowers that bloom in, um, in winter. However, they are not forever. They come and go. We come and go. If we fail to see this basic fact of nature, we will suffer. And Ryokan, as, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as a Buddhist priest, knew this, and he tried to express it with words, and he left us this poem. Um, impermanence is very elegant. It's, uh, it's soothing. We may don't want it, we may fight against it, but when we pierce through the um, terror, through what we don't like about it, we can really find peace and joy, like watching flowers bloom, like watching flowers die, because 
that's the mirror of who we are. It's not that dying is bad. It's just that endings come, endings are born the very moment we conceive an idea or a relationship or we start, we start anything at all in our lives. So this is a very important um, poem with very few words, but it's powerful and reminds us to keep always in the present aware that things change, life changes. Another very nice poem says, in town, I finish begging for food. Content, I carry the clothes back, wondering which place to call home. Could that be my hut near the white cloud? We people want the whole package. We want it all. We want the biggest pancakes ever. We want the biggest house in the planet. We want the fastest car. We always want the best, the biggest. We want to go further. But the problem, the problem is that this thirst never ends. It doesn't matter how fast or how big or how new your car is. The moment you have this car, Sure, you're ecstatic for maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a week, but then the novelty of it all fades away. And then the cycle begins again. The thirst never ends. And this is very dangerous. That's exactly what, what uh, sows seeds of suffering in our lives because it never ends. So in this poem, Ryokan says that in town, he finishes begging for food. He's happy because he has food for the day. He doesn't have, or he's not saying that he has this huge fridge at home or two refrigerators, one for the beer and, and the other for, for food. He doesn't have food other than tomorrow. And he's happy with that. He's happy with what it is, what he, uh, he can put his hands on because he lives in the present. He doesn't need anything for tomorrow or maybe even for next week because he knows that if the sun rises again, he has a new opportunity to go back to town and make for a little food and legend says, says that uh, sometimes he even forgot to go begging for food because he was so busy and having fun playing with the kids that uh, he forgot about his own sustenance. He was so present, so aware of the present moment that he didn't even care what he was going to eat tomorrow. So he's happy because in this poem, he acknowledges that he has fish for the day. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry, he has food for the day. And then he doesn't even know where his home is because his home is wherever he is. There's a Metallica song 
whatever I may wrong, I, I may uh, roam, there's home. And Ryokan was pretty much like a rock star of his day, a, a metal musician, not because of the music, but because of him. Um, he was so different from people that he was aware that whatever he was, was home. And that's a very powerful, very powerful teaching because um, in, in Spanish, we say that roots are for trees only. We humans don't need roots. We have to move, we have to wander, we have to see places, connect with people all over the planet if, if it's possible. And um, uh, uh, Ryokan didn't have roots. He could either sleep in an abandoned temple or uh, under a tree or build um, a grass hut. But whatever he was, it was home. So um, we suffer a lot also because we have, we, we want to keep our roots no matter what. We want to keep our identity. We want to keep our opinions, our football teams, our favorite food. Um, we hang on to this illusion of who we are and it's nothing but a change, a, a, a big chain in, 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 uh, in our necks. When we have the awareness to, to know that our personality can change, you lose all the roots and you're open, your heart and your mind is open to live life in another different plane where home is not where your parents are, it's not where your partner is or your kids are. Home is wherever you are. Whatever, whatever you may roam is home. Then we have this other poem, which is very beautiful. It's one of my favorite, favorites. I don't know, maybe that's terrible English, but anyway, thanks. Too lazy to be ambitious. I let the world take care of itself. 10 days worth of rice in my bag, a bundle of tweaks by the fireplace. Why chatter about delusion and enlightenment? Listening to the night rain on my roof, I sit comfortably with both legs stretched out. Social media nowadays and, and news outlets, they make money out of keeping us in fear. The more we are engaged in fear, the more they earn money. There's nothing wrong in earning money, but the problem is that we are so easy to 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 get involved in in, in fear and and in the news and uh, 
the moment you um, change the channel in the TV, there's this huge flashing banner that says breaking news. Trump said that thing or uh, the guy in North Korea said that other thing and we're all going to die terribly and the world is going to explode and it's your fault and you have to buy this. And it. and then we engage in all this um, discourse of, of fear. Uh, and we think we are secure by, uh, uh, yeah, that we are secure by engaging in, in the news and we become uh, political uh, experts and we shout out our opinions and, and, and we get lost in this, uh, in the waves of, of fear and news and, and the things we can't control and the things we can't change. So uh, it's good to be lazy, to be ambitious. Uh, that is not to say that we don't have to work for, for, for our sustenance. We have to work for it. But we have to know when to stop. Um, there, um, you can be very ambitious and try to buy the whole planet. I don't know. Maybe that works for a lot of people. But at the end of the day, in, in this practice, you have to be aware of when enough is enough. You can't live in fear all the time. So you have to back, um, back. Mm -hmm. you have to quit social media and watching news um, because it will only affect your health and your mental, your, your mental health and your, um, your spirit, your, your peace. You don't need that. You don't have to take on the world by yourself. Because maybe the world doesn't need you. Or maybe it does. But the thing is, you can't worry about that because if you live in the present, if you're mindful of your needs and when to say enough to, to your desire, to your passions, or, your, or to your sadness or your anger. In the moment, you understand that you can let go of it all. You can let the world spin in autopilot. And some say it's been like that for millions of years. So you don't have to steer it to get things done. You have to work. That's, that's fine. That's perfect. That's we need to work, we need to do things, we need to solve problems. But you don't have to be ambitious about them. You, you don't have to obsess about your problems. You don't have to be an expert in politics or in music or in pretty much anything. There's also liberation in just... Sit in silence, listening to the rain, or listening to your busy street, or to life, or to music, enjoying a cup of tea, or not. But just be still. There's peace in stillness. There's strength. There's elegance in, in being still, in silence.
So Ryokan says, why chatter about illusion and alignment? You know, you don't need to be an expert in the Dharma. Because at the end of the day, you can let go of the Dharma. Just be still listening to the rain on your roof. Sit comfortably with your legs stretched out. Playing with your cat or with your dog. Or just being in silence with your partner, with your kids. That's a pretty nice ambition, I'd say. And I think we can read one more poem. This one is very nice. And it's about living in the present. Past has passed away. Future has not arrived. Present does not remain. Nothing is reliable. Everything must change. You hold on to letters and names in vain, forcing yourself to believe in them. Stop chasing knowledge. Leave all views behind. Study the essential and then see through it. When there's nothing left to see through, then you will know your, view, your mistaken views. I apologize in advance because as you may know, I'm an earth, I'm a geek, and I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for almost 30 years. And once upon a time, I knew this guy that he memorized almost every single book of Dungeons and Dragons. He memorized the Player's Handbook, the Dungeon Master book, the Monster Compendium, a lot of small campaigns. He was a walking encyclopedia of a game. So it, it was very annoying to play with him because he was an expert. So if I was uh, leading the game, if I was uh, um, the dungeon master, and I wanted to break the rules to make the, the game fun for the players, he would jump out and say, oh, you are forgetting that to throw an arrow, you have to uh, roll so many dice and check against uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and he was a walking encyclopedia of rules. And he went to the extreme and he, he was so sure of himself that he forgot the very one thing that makes Dungeons and Dragons very special. It's a game and it needs to be fun. He was an expert, right? And um, he got to the point that leaving school because he wanted to write Dungeons and Dragon books, Dungeons and Dragons books. Um, I don't know what happened to him. I never saw him again. I hope uh, he's working at, at uh, Wizards now, but um, I don't know. But the thing is that it was very annoying to play with him. And all that he talked about was Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, his life was about his characters, about the rules, about uh, his huge collection of dice, 
about his uh, tiny little guys which he put on on the table um he was no fun <laughs> and, and he got lost in all this knowledge and i know a lot of people that do the very same thing but with dharma they are experts they know it all they know the sutras they they uh, know the history the maps names and places and uh, legends but they don't see it as any they forget this enormous part of our practice and by stirring and all those books people or, or or knowledge people stay in the past and they plan to live in the future and making money or making a name out of all this knowledge and they don't realize that there is a lot of things that they're missing because they are living either in the past or in in um in the future lost in the in, in words lost in names lost in knowledge ryokan says leave old views behind study the essential there's nothing wrong in in reading a lot of books that's perfect we need them but we we need to also let go of those uh, of those words in order to really understand what the words mean the message of thousands of years that is speaking to us that is ours that it's always been ours and at the same time if you don't lose it all you won't realize that you also are the dharma you also are silence and part of the zen and part of a bigger picture than we can even imagine the more books you memorize the more names you memorize the more lost you get in meaning and words so ryokan understood this and left us with this marvelous piece of, of of his poems but i think i just spoke too much do you guys have any any question or comment please sexy thank you <clears throat> the um the first two poems really uh resonated with me um i uh i keep a an almanac um i've been keeping it for probably about 10 years um of when the uh apple trees get their blossoms and when the first maple um leaves appear and when the daffodils bloom and right all the all the things that happen in the spring and um on the east coast of the united states we're having this like really warm spell and all the flowers are coming out early <laughs> right neither early nor late but they are early like some of them by a month and um earlier this week like the the, the weather forecast said it was going to get very cold 
for the weekend and I have been stressing about it, right? Oh, these flowers, they're early. They're going to get, you know, they're going to get um, frozen this weekend and the, the bulbs are going to be uh, um, burned by the frost, but damaged by the frost. And today when I was, uh, I had to run a lot of errands. So I, I did a bunch of driving around today and I brought my camera with me so I could take pictures of them before they like, you know, disappeared. And um, while I was driving, we had a whole bunch of snow. Um, it was really windy and there's like beautiful snow falling out of the clouds and it's, it's falling on all of the early flowers, right? <laughs> Which was amazing and it was beautiful in its own right. And um, by the time I got home, it was, it's, it's well below freezing now. And when I got home, my wife had brought in um, a bunch of firewood and had started a fire in the wood stove. And I sat down with, with, with you guys. And uh, I don't know, the flowers were right on time, right? And <laughs> I don't know. I spent I spent like a week being upset about the flowers being early and then getting getting cold and uh, they arrived just when they needed to. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, we sometimes forget uh, that life has its own agenda, calendar, and, and time. Life doesn't flow with seconds and, and hours and days or months. Life and nature, they just flow. It's us who need to, to adapt to that, not the other way around. So I'm glad your flowers are coming. They, they always come back. Anyone else? All right, just to uh, close, I will read uh, a last poem. That says, I lodge in an abandoned temple, my only company a single lamp. Who will dry these traveling clothes? Singing soothes me. Rainfall rings in my ears. I stay awake in my pillow, high until dawn. Living a simple life is a very, very rich experience for whatever contradictory that, that sounds. But um, I don't want to touch uh, the self-help crowd or the new age crowd by saying that um, the less you need, the happier you are. I think is more about um, being thankful for, for what there is and enjoy what we have. And by understanding that desire is a thirst that never ends, you can really, really have peace 
by not having a lot of things. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to go poor, not at all. But I'm saying that you need to buy a new car every year. You don't need to um, desire what the other or, or what other people have in order to be happy. Just sit still, read poetry, see art, listen to beautiful music, and remain silent, still, without moving. That's an amazing practice. Thank you for joining us for the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast zazen, retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.